don't know. I was a little curious. I would recommend it once and then never again. Did you, did did you guys... Yes, Lucio, the sons of pirates always become architects. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> legit. Did you guys look through that, that book that I linked, though, with the 1800s cocktail recipes? I, I did, but I didn't understand any of the recipes. Because, man, that it really... was a bit difficult to follow. It really made me feel out of touch. It's like, take a take a flagon of heart seed, and I'm like, where the hell do I get heart seed? Uh, I feel like there should be, like, a Griffin's heart A Griffin's heart. In there. Like, just so straight faced, like just you know, turn around in your kitchen and look for the heart seed. It's there somewhere. <laughs> Slay a dragon and take its scales. I know. That, I know that you have. Come on, it was the seventeen hundreds. It wasn't like you know, the Holy Roman Empire. You, I mean, you you'd be hard pressed to think otherwise based off that book. Well, uh, shortly after <laughs> shortly after Jartling's that, I look up a bunch of oysters, and they had ways to prepare oysters that I never even heard of before. Um, for example. Like, but put the oysters in boiling water, and you're like, "What? <laughs> like, like, like oyster gravy? Does water, water oyster. boil? Yeah, oyster gravy, huh? <laughs> they were they were complicated. Well, I didn't know what a rusk was. Michael had to tell me what rusk was. I've never heard of that before. Is that a tool? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's hardtack. Oh, hardtack is awful. If you ever I have, like if you ever have, yeah, of course you do, because you're eighty. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> what it's it, it's like a it's like the beef jerky of crackers. I mean, not as good as corn pone. So I guess it's it's like it's like a sour skittle where after you <laughs> after you suck on it for a while, you're like, oh, okay, this is all right, I guess. But there's no reason to go through that opening part, right? Uh, what you know, <laughs> like a big like a big dong. Anyway, this is the enemy slime podcast. Fuck is it? it? I, it is. Okay. We've tried three times already. This will be the one. Um, what is this? Episode 67? 67. 67. 67. I'm your resident hardtack enjoyer, Jared. And I have with me uh, old Grandpa Mahoney, who... Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I also have with us Mr. Doug Wilson. Hello. Uh, fresh off the boat, Lucio Lorenzino. Hola. That's not a rolling list. That's not a racist thing. He really did come from another <laughs> not country. A boat. Well, it wasn't a boat, but it, you know, it's a fi- it's a it figure. Also it's a craft. He made it kind of speech. racist. Boat of the sky. Yes, it was a sky boat. And then we have our Scottish Cuban uh, pirate. Pirate. Whatever else is in there. There's more in Architect. there. Architect. Oh yeah, there's a ton in there. Sir Jane Joseph Junior Covington the Third. Lord uh, of White Castle. Let me th- think if I can remember it all. So there's Scottish, there's pirate. Uh, pirate Trinidadian. is a nationality. <laughs> yes, it is. It is now. Sad, sadly. <laughs> Trinidadian. Uh, let's see. We have French-Canadian. French. Um, what else? What else? There's probably more. I'm forgetting. You're losing some English. Where's the English? No, there's no English. No, they didn't want to taste? No, they don't want to taste. No, yeah. their loss. It will be uncivilized. There's, there's rumored Irish, but that was never proven. So, mm. well, good. You, <laughs> you heard me, Irish people. <laughs> no one wants your ouch. Blood. I don't think, I don't think we've uh, actually pissed them off yet. So, <laughs> it's an, it's a uh, bold new frontier for us. <laughs> you just did, you bastard. Come, we're coming for you, Irish. Yep, they're they're on our list tonight. So, how <laughs> fucking leprechauns. 
I wish them another potato famine. Oh, guys, no, not the potato famine. It's such a low, a low. I want their children fever. to be hungry for potatoes and be unable to eat them. Let's talk about. Let's talk I was, about. I was looking uh, up. You know, there's some there's some pretty potatoes. badass Irish people out there, so I wouldn't talk shit. Like, there's this one pirate, Grace O'Malley, and the rumor goes that 12 hours after giving birth, she went ahead and she killed a ton of pirates and took their ship. Um, yeah, but she's dead now, so she she couldn't hurt us. Yes. Or is she? I, I I feel like Probably. a woman. I feel like a woman who's able to give birth and then turn around and kill some pirates like it's nothing. Um, I feel like she could live a very long time. So you, you know, better be careful what you say. Pirates are always looking for the fountain of youth. If, no, if what I just if what I saw in oh, pirates get it right. the, I'm still too would be yeah, but I mean everybody's looking for it, but pirates too. And uh, maybe maybe she maybe she tracked it down. Yeah, she could have. So you know, just care what you say on this podcast. You, well, I'm calling uh, her out. Speaking speaking of um, speaking of pirates, I've been trying to find some good Edward Kenway fan fiction for the podcast. Oh, for God's sake! Uh, <laughs> I haven't found anything, but everything. We actually play so video promising. games this time, so we can there's talk like, about there's that. Like, there's like shit. There's like shit. Well, we got to talk about the news first. There's a ton of news to talk about. I mean, about. we got to talk about We've pirates. Been, We've been skipping over shit, right? But I just want to read some of the premises of some of these uh, fan fictions. You right? have two minutes, and that's a hard limit. That's a hard limit. <laughs> that's a hard limit. I just I don't have a choice here. You know what else is hard? Uh, well, let hey, him let time, him read, and then we'll see. Choosing last, between last all those last great time fan I didn't fictions. Even want to, I didn't even want to read them. Okay, well nobody. And you guys pushed me and pushed me. And nobody act. Out. Nobody act intrigued. Tell us a premise, Jay. Finally, I decided to upload something else, XB. This story is set the time of Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag and contains a whole bunch of OCs, but also many of the characters from the game. Eventually, it will become original character X Edward, and I hope you guys like it. If it goes well, I'll keep doing, going with it, smiley face. Thank you for your previous reviews and support. Red T for language may possibly contain sexual content in the future. Ooh. Um, I don't hey, think that one really Jared, gave you much of the promise. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We have the story of Alexis Kenway when she gets set back to the golden age of piracy. It takes place three years before Dunsman's untimely death. Uh, Edward Kenway is the captain of the most feared by pirates, Man of War in the West Indies, the HMS Invincible. But what happens when it is attacked by the Queen Dan's Revenge and a brig under the command of James Kidd? What happens when Kenway is left to drift? The AC4 plot is still there, just modified. Kidway, because that's how I roll. Yeah, let's see, there was one more. There's one more mm-hmm. good, good one here. Um, ah, this one. This is always promising. Follow the story of James Kenway, Edward Kenway's younger brother, as he fights Templars, <laughs> the Assassin <laughs> Order, and just about everyone in between to end a divide created by one person's greed and hate. And, Which I and imagine is Edward's greed and hate. James Kenway, Edward Kenway's brother. Uh, and then there's just a ton of shit about Edward getting it on with either Anne Bonny or Mary Reed. Um, yeah, so a, b- a bunch of promising shit, but I haven't found anything that's just quite that classic little pearl yet. Maybe by next week. Okay, well, I'm I'm really pulling for you to find a, a <laughs> sweet, sweet Assassin's Creed gem. I don't I don't uh, know that Assassin's Creed fans are going to have the same ravenous and unusual desires that a Sonic fan will have. See, but. now here's the thing. I despite 
some of the stupid premises I've read, they're actually somewhat competent writers. Like, they're not good writers, right? But they're good enough that you can't really make fun of them. They're good so, enough that their movie could become a box office smash hit based, oh yeah. based on their and, trilogy of erotic BDSM books. And, and, and they'll, they get, they'll get to cast Shia LaBeouf and all that. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. All right. It's a dream come true. So I, I, I don't know. What do we, we've missed like weeks and weeks worth of news because we had a couple of themed podcasts, I think. Let's talk about heists. Well, no, let's not talk about heist because Did that's not going to happen anyway. Well, but one thing one thing was also released next to it that probably will happen, which is the uh, PC uh, version. Well, <laughs> maybe the PC version will never happen because this is the second don't time go, it got don't delayed. Don't go putting words in their mouth. Um, well, no, they, so they did announce a new release date for the PC version of GTA V. Uh, so currently they're claiming that heists will be on March 10th and GTA V for PC will be April 14th. So those are our those are our current uh, benchmarks or, or dates for them to miss. Uh-huh. So Dragonfall had ties before they did. Oh, so that's that, that one to the pile. How much did a uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong make, guys? Oh a god, uh, yeah, it was over a million, wasn't it? Wasn't it pushing like a million two something like let, that? Let me, how, uh, much, how much did they ask for? Look it up. They asked for a hundred thousand. So here's here's my thing. Like, how 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 bad is it that we decided to pay a million dollars for their Shadowrun fan fiction? How baller is this game gonna be? I mean, they made ten times the amount that they asked for. Uh huh. I'm sure be... it's not gonna be. I'm sure it's not gonna be the same exact thing as Shadowrun Returns at all. Yeah, it was, one so million. One million two hundred thousand. Seven hundred and twenty-six dollars. Yeah. So well, six dollars are really want to make the difference. So basically, <laughs> yeah, the six, the extra six bucks there is going to let them. That's what I was really want to make an awesome game. I mean, for a for a, a million two, I should be a character. So for a million two dollars, they should be able to revamp everything that's utterly broken about their system at the core, and I bet you they don't do it. I have a feeling Shadowrun Hong Kong's pretty much done. <laughs> I my, what I think about I, I got, and got, coming no, soon. What this is going to be is they're going to make some new assets. And they're going to slap him with the stupid creator that they made, and they're going to release that. And it's not going to have anything buy, new. And then they get to buy a golden bull, and they get to worship it. I mean, you're definitely. I, I think I don't think there's any way you're going to get a new engine or anything like that. Um, Will Shadowrun Hong Kong have pools <laughs> and toddlers? <laughs> no, but you know what <laughs> I would really I like on a Shadowrun game is actually working vehicles, because you can do a lot of fun shit with working vehicles. Yeah. Too bad you but, won't you know, see that's it. That's not going to happen. Let's see. I mean, there's just there's just like there's just like core stuff at the system that they built that you know it it's not good. They're not done yet. Like before we go to Hong Kong, let's put in vehicles. Uh, let's see. I'm looking. I'm trying to find. So like, there a were, feature. so the Oscars happened, which isn't movie, which isn't video game news, but we did do a podcast on it. Um, that's true. That was last. Con- congratulations, congratulations, Birdman. I think that's. Pretty much it. Let's yeah, I, I think you and I think our, our special guest last week, Aubrey, the, between the two of you, you guys made the most accurate predictions. Uh, but then you guys probably also followed the news in the award season, and I was bad this year, and I didn't follow anything. I knew it would be Birdman from the moment that I saw that there was a movie about birds. It just seemed... You know what? I, I don't want to... I haven't seen Birdman, so maybe this is a bit talking out of term, but... I feel that it won't just because it's about like an aging star trying to keep up with like the modern world and getting Which is all of Hollywood. Exactly. <laughs> so like what I feel is like all these people will look at this and it's like this was a movie 
that really spoke to me in a personal level. Let's vote for that. Uh, I got I got excited about for about ten seconds during the Oscars because I thought Grand Budapest was headed for a sweep, and then Birdman just stole the rest. I th- I think it I think it pretty much deserved what it got. I think, I'm not saying I'm not saying it des- I didn't I'm not saying it didn't deserve it, but we haven't had an Oscar upset in I think a long time now. You know, and that used to be kind of the fun part, right? Because it's almost like a sports competition where you're watching it, and then it's more exciting when some other scrappy player comes up and kind of upsets out of nowhere like um, like when the seahawks threw the ball wrong <laughs> just to make sure that we just to make sure we go on to every subject that's not video games do you guys remember the super bowl yes there was a super bowl well we talked about the super bowl last year didn't we and we didn't talk about it this year uh, i think we did didn't well maybe we, we didn't. talked about weed and how there were riots sure you guys remember uh, yeah. when they didn't fill the balls up enough i do i yeah so so let's Those talk about the, the super bowl upset then <laughs> I mean, about the Super Bowl if you want to talk about an upset, remember when the sanitation workers went on strike? Actually, hey, no, the, I do have, I do have news, like real news. Um, real, real bit of game. Thank God. So, uh, this is this. We were is just a, giving the update on the last podcast. What's wrong with that? This is important too. It's boring. <laughs> well, no one invited you. Yes, yeah, so there. Um, didn't invite me. Wait, but I, you ousted me out on the time frame. Hey, I'm not gonna have this. I, I will have order. On on this podcast. Oh, speaking I, of order, how about that Law and Order, or, or the Order? Yeah, let's talk about Law and Order real quick. Um, <laughs> oh right, that Law, let's do it. Law and Order Special Victims Unit. The <laughs> what was it called? The Imitation Game? No, the Imitation. <laughs> it was intimidation like game. Intimidation, intimidation Game. game imitation Game it. is the real movie about Alan Turing. Um, very timely title. Well done, Law and Order SVU. Uh, so clever. I don't know what to say other than great use of Vine Star Logan Paul. I loved when he got shot. <laughs> um, what else? I, oh, so there, there was new. There, you know, there's, there's this other. It's slightly related to video games. We don't really go into this territory. Um, but the guy that that Logan Paul character was kind of based on, um, this character Jace, whatever his name was, that. Threatened Brianna Wu and and uh, you know was like this extremist gamer gator who talked about all these weapons he owns. So it turns out that guy's not real. Well, I mean he's real. He's just uh, he's a well. I, I guess he's not real. He's a he's a character. He's de- a character devised by one of the greatest stand-up comedians of our time, <laughs> Polly Shore. Polly Shore. Yeah. Polly Actually, Shore. yeah. He really is. He does seem to be kind of like a Polly Shore. <laughs> yeah. He well he 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 yells at you. Until you find it funny, just like Polly Shore does. Polly Shore is like, you know, I'm going to keep yelling until you guys find this hilarious. Um, I worked in Biodome, am I right? <laughs> so apparently that's what these guys do. Like, they, they call them pranks. And I think we've never talked about it on the podcast. But I think we share pranks that we find with each other all the time online. Because they're anything but a prank, right? It's like, they're, they're mean, or they look painful. It'll be something like... Um, you know, it's a white guy and I'm going to go to Harlem and today I'm going to call black people nigger and see what happens. And yeah, you most know, of them just seem to devolve into, I'm going to agitate black people. That's like, <laughs> and, that's all they what are. Happens, like, exactly what you expect will happen. <laughs> you have exactly what, what does that mean, to... Lucio? Are you saying black people are violent? I'm saying that if you talk shit, you're going to get shit. Talk shit, get hit. Yeah, exactly. Talk shit, get hit. Or it'll be like something, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw water on people and see what happens. Right. So they'll go through water. 
And then someone will get really mad and they'll hit him and be like, it's a prank. It's a prank. It's a you prank, know? bro. <laughs> because because saying it's a prank, bro, as we all know, by law, it means you can't do anything. To <laughs> no, them. that's absolutely true. You can you can murder anybody. And then when the police get there, just be like, it was a prank. And yeah, I remember laugh, there was one like, guy who was like <laughs> pretending to rob people and like some guy just beat the shit out of him. It really does. It really does seem like just kind of a, a social experiment to see how much you can get away with if, after getting caught, you point to a camera and say, "Dude, dude, dude! It's just it's for video." <laughs> um, and how far you can go? It's like a game of then, chicken. And then, have you ever seen like these pranking couples? Because, like, yeah, like it, Roman is it Roman Atwood? Roman, yeah, maybe he does. A, he does a prank where he like throws his baby over a balcony. <laughs> Well, I'm talking about the prank. Like, there's what this a one great couple. prank. Some, so you know, the the girlfriend or the fiance, whatever she is, she gets like a fly swatter, an electrified fly swatter. Um, she takes the safety off of it so that a larger electric charge will run through it, and then she starts hitting her boyfriend with it. Oh yeah, yeah. That, I I know <laughs> I know exactly which couple you're talking about. And that's and a, a prank. A lot of them. A lot. Of, <laughs> a weird amount of their pranks are just them hitting each other. Like yeah, it's just domestic abuse. There's under, there's one where he hits her name. in the face with a pie and then slaps her ass as hard as he can, and that yeah, that's a that prank. Sounds kind of hot. What a funny prank. What a funny prank. <laughs> domestic abuse hilarious. is always funny. Is one of, one of just like the lowest, to... most unrefined form of humor. Like if you're too stupid to like come up with a joke, you just like throw a pie or whatever. Put whatever a bucket of water up on the door ledge. There's, there's the these two. Wanna... Uh, Two guys from like Eastern Europe that do some really creative ones, though. You see, those, horrific but those creative. Are, those those guys have the things closest to a prank, right? And they're still fucking mean, but at least they put a lot of work into it. There's yeah, like, there prank. was this one time where they pretended that uh, this like they went into like this resort town. He got his roommate drunk. He drugged them, and then he pretended that he woke up in a tub of ice with like colostomy bags. Like he's somehow uh, yeah. He lost. convinced them that his yeah. his his organs were stolen. Mm-hmm. And there's another there's another prank where they um, yeah, drugging your friend. That's a prank. That's hilarious. Uh, there's another prank where they convince the other guy that his girlfriend com- committed suicide. Oh yeah, yeah. That she like jumped out a window and uh and splattered on the ground. And they was not this... a prank. <laughs> that's, that's pretty I much just killing a fire in a crowded theater. You because... can't do that. Because here's the thing, this is this is the point, because I want to bring it back to this guy that, that you know, quote-unquote pranked Rihanna Wu, um, because he does it all the time, right? And it's not, it wasn't just Gamergate, so Gamergate character was one character he created. So there's another one where he goes to an anime convention and he starts going on about Japanese swords and all this shit, and, uh, you know, it's, he's just there to make fun of anime nerds, basically anime geeks, um, and people start walking out on him. He's like, no, don't walk out, I'm trying to give you guys serious knowledge. And then there's yet another prank where they go to uh, Williamsburg and they start reciting all of these um, homophobic tweets to the crowd. Like, they don't let the crowd know that they're reading homophobic tweets. They think this is the guy's material. And then they start booing them and and, and uh, walking out on them. And they go online later and they're like, they complain. They're like, oh, we thought we were really getting along with the crowd. You know, obviously we're not homophobes, but there's no way that the crowd knew they weren't homophobes because <laughs> they gave them, like, no context. Uh, it wasn't like, oh, hey, guys, now we're going to read some really fucked up tweets. They just started reading them. Um, so the jokes that they pull aren't even kind of remotely funny. Like, I watched some of the videos, and I was laughing, but not with them, I guess is how you describe it. Um, so it's kind of like it's kind of like 
I guess the lowest the lowest denominator that you can get to in terms of the pranking barrel, which is already pretty low. Like I don't think I've seen a proper prank in a long time. If you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking the same thing that we're thinking, which is like, man, you're right, pranks have gone downhill. They're not good anymore on the internet, on YouTube. And you think maybe maybe I could solve that problem. Here, I'll get you started. Are you ready? To set up your YouTube account, get a camera and tape it to the ceiling in your bathroom. And this is what you do. You put some saran wrap over the toilet seat and then you put some Vaseline on the doorknob. And what's going to happen, somebody's going to come in, they're going to pee on the saran wrap. There's going to be pee everywhere and they're going to want to leave the room, but they can't because it's covered in Vaseline. (laughs) And then boom, and then boom, you pranked them. That's a, that's, that's a prank. You can ask them for three days. Then you ask them questions. Yeah, leave them there for three days, only only feeding them like very thin pieces of ham that you've slid under the door, and then <laughs> uh, and then and then make them died. make them solve a riddle to leave the room. <laughs> I also that, play I play good. like death metal at them so they can concentrate. Oh, or just go to your your minority center in the city closest to you and just agitate the minorities there. Yeah, you racial you slurs. Read, you read off Kwame Gold. Yeah, a racial a bunch of racial slurs. Um, now here, here's a hilarious prank when if your neighbor has a pet here's what you do you lure that pet out with its favorite with its favorite treat like doggy biscuits or fish biscuits or whatever the animal is you, you get fish the pet to come to you yeah like for cats for cats oh i thought so, you meant like a biscuit for a fish like a goldfish you're like come here and it flops out right and dies. yeah you lure, you lure <laughs> the goldfish out you say come here gold, little goldfish right and then you take the pet home with you and now this is what you do you could make a direct cut to the neck so that it bleeds out quickly. Uh, you skin it, make sure you clean it well, it's make sure you kind of like just dark. get rid of all the guts, and you bake it, right? Oh. Now you invite now you invite your neighbors over for dinner. Like, hey, I made this great roast, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. Now you bring it out on a silver platter uh, with a dome over it, right? And then you unveil it, and then the neighbor sees, oh man, it's it's poochy. No, that's you gotta hilarious. you gotta let them. <laughs> you got me. Okay, a your prank doesn't work because you they have to eat it first, and then later you bring out the collar and say like, "Oh, you're probably gonna want this." <laughs> that better better prank. B I, wouldn't I, it yeah. be wouldn't it be a better prank if you took their pet, brought it home, and then loved it so much that it didn't want to go back to them? Wouldn't that uh, be Wouldn't that be a better prank for everybody? I don't know. I like Jay really. I like uh, Jay's better. Well, you guys are sick. Especially if it's a cat. If it's a cat, don't do the part where it bleeds so quickly. Listen, listen, listen. You make it all better by telling them it's a prank. Like, they can't be mad after that. No, that's true. You, you toss the collar to them, and they realize the gravity of what's just happened, and you're like, and they start to get mad, and then you point at the camera, and you're like, no, 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 it's a prank, bro. It's a prank. And then and then they're going to expect that the pet is actually alive, because that's what a prank is. And, <laughs> and then... <laughs> but no, he's still dead. <laughs> but no... No, it's, it, you have woefully misunderstood what <laughs> pranks are. All right, um, quit, quit. It's been, that that was like a so that 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 really should have been like the the GamerGate episode of Law and Order, right? Because after they they go ahead and live stream the rape of this woman, which is something that totally happens in the real world, uh, they should have just turned to the cameras and went, "It's a prank," and then it, you know SBU would have backed off them. Ice would be like, uh, "Oh, those us. kids." Um, so can we like like because so, so much crazy shit happened. So they they live stream a rape of a woman, right? 
Um, and they give us these these omnipotent hackers that are able to do everything. Like they hack Times Square, they shut down the power to the building so that they can, can kidnap her in the first place. Uh, and that's when they start live streaming all this shit of beating her and getting, yeah, getting her to and save the story. Kidnapping, and the kidnapping look like um, like a fucking run in Shadow Run. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know, they're gonna turn off the lights and you know, f- uh, fool all these cops and go into a van. And... So basically, basically, by the end of the hep- episode, they write themselves into a corner, right? Because there are there are a bunch of gamers that that can shut down Times Square and can shut down entire buildings, and um, they basically pull this really heinous crime in front of a camera on live streams so that everyone could watch it online. Um, you know, and they clearly, they clearly kind of just cut off Ice Cube and uh, and his little compatriots at every corner. So there's nothing the cops can do until one of the gamers decides, you know what, I've had enough. The game's gone too far, so I'm just going to give them a clue as to my location. And that's how they resolve the episode. Um, but I think my favorite part, because, because you know, the, this, this was the episode that kept on giving. It started pretty bad, and then it, it just went places I could have never seen it going. So my favorite part of the episode is the moral at the end when it's like Ice Cube and these gamers on the rooftop um, and his partners and they have guns. And one of the police officers says, yeah, he shoots one of them. He's like, yeah, there's a big difference between uh, video games and real life. And, um, you know, your dude, your your Vine guy, what's his name? Uh, Logan Paul. So Logan Paul goes, no, they're exactly the same. And he comes out with a gun and they got him in this first-person kind of doom vision, holding his gun up at the cops, <laughs> like grainy footage. Uh, so you know, so clearly the message is here. He plays video games so much that now he sees the world in terms of video games. Everything's a game to him. Which is bullshit because it wasn't like no health bar there. <laughs> Does he fight a mecha iced tea? No, but iced tea also has God, the same vision. So yeah, iced tea has the same vision. Uh, Mark and Mark has the same vision, and he comes out with it, with it, and and he's like, you know, and at but, the end of it, he's like, I on, know the difference. Yeah, later on, he makes sure to clarify that he knows the difference between video <laughs> games and real life, which most people don't. Man, um, and, and then, and then there was like so much outrage the next morning from from both sides of the argument about this episode, and they're like, you know, how dare you would portray us gamers that way, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like almost no one realizes. You. Well, it's like no one realizes that their rhetoric, right, uh, on both sides of the of the argument, their rhetoric is so harsh and so heinous that this is what the rioters picked up on. So it's kind of their own fault, right? It's it's not like Law and Order went totally out of bounds out of what they were told and what they found online. They found they found the shit. They were like, okay, what? How do we do the worst version of this thing? And uh, I believe very much that our little master prankster, our master comedian help play into that and the creation of that Logan Paul character um, with his videos where he rants about all this shit. So, you know, it's just, it's just, let's face it, aside from, from Ice, Ice, Vanilla Ice, um, who plays video games pretty religiously, there's no one else on that writing staff who's really going to be seriously into this. So all they can get is kind of a cursory knowledge of what they see. And if you give them extreme, that's what they're going to betray. They're going to betray extreme. Um, I still think it made one of the most delightful hours of television that I ever saw and I highly recommend everyone watch this episode of Law and Order. I think the issue with the episode too is that it was kind of a mess from the beginning in terms of how it was written just because the way it starts is um, like the, the guys are at a convention and they kind of just cop a feel 
and they start like you know being mean to them on the internet and like half the episode is just the the captain going like this isn't really an SVU case why the fuck are you bothering with it? Well, that, that's so kind of at some point well, they had to to up the stakes. So for anyone for anyone that doesn't know, New York actually has a special victims unit and that special victims um, researches rape cases. That's what they're there for. They're for rape cases or for the the abuse of minors. Uh, that's what the special victims unit is. So among the outrage are people talking about how like misogynist the show is. Um, for having to portray a rape and for having to portray sexual abuse. So these are clearly people that are watching the show for the first time because they have no idea what the premise is. Um, but SBU could have easily created the rape case that they need to kind of merit the episode at the beginning. And they didn't take that opportunity. So they had to have like this really, really bizarre moment later on in the episode where they decided to rape this woman and live stream it online. Um, just to kind of write themselves out of that corner. So it was just a, a, a weird affair all around. But if you like, the if you watch it... In, the problem is that in doing that, they made the hacker so omnipotent, <laughs> that omnipotent, and then they had to go with the whole bullshit. Oh, well, you know, they thought it was a game, so... I, I think, I think you know, yeah, and then they, they do things like they say, oh, yeah, we leveled up. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> so I, so I, I, I recommend anyone that decides to go out and watch this episode, just kind of like sit back and enjoy the ride. Because if you're looking for like a serious hour of television here, you're not going to find it. But if you just kind of lay back and relax and, and just want to see how bizarre it gets, you can go ahead and check that out. At, at the end, does the guy like knowingly proclaim game over? No, but at the end they tell women that they should give up because uh, the, the people at Game Brigade are the only one. Well, they're not telling. They're not telling. We are unstoppable. <laughs> oh God! Uh, they're not telling women to give up at the ending. They're, they're again. It's it's them reflecting what they found online. So, um, you know, people. The outrage again was, oh, uh, SPU told me to give up. Like, why would you do that? Why would you offend me like that? But, um, you know, people at least online claim they're running so scared of these guys. That's kind of like the that's kind of like the feeling that these guys have already won because you know these people are so terrified of them and like oh my life is in danger because you wrote a mean tweet at me so clearly I'm going to die like I said the biggest threat that was out there to Gamergate who came out this morning was like yeah I'm totally bogus I'm just some comedian um, so but if that's the attitude that you portray that oh these guys are winning because I'm so scared because you know fear has always been the tool of the enemy right that's how that's how um, the other side typically wins by by scaring you into not wanting to act or by scaring you into um, kind of crying out in public that this isn't fair and this is heinous and all this kind of shit. So that's what SBU, I feel like, was getting at when they said, oh, Gamergate has already won. Um, <laughs> and the other thing about SBU is it always kind of has a downer ending anyway. If you've ever watched an episode, it's like, okay, this ending kind of bums me out. So it's just another long line in the SBU. Oh yeah, this ending is uh, is a big big downer. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I'm honestly not sure who went into this episode expecting. I I don't you know what I don't know what what you could have expected from this. I have no idea. Here's here's I think the important message to take away from this, which is this episode offended a lot of people. And I would just like to mention that if you are a person who can be offended by Law & Order SVU, <laughs> you are not going to make it in this world. 
You're probably not listening to a podcast. Here, I think that's a, I think that's a great moral. This I think world, awesome moral. this world is not for you. <laughs> you had it. You had a good run, but uh, we'll let's see just, you later. Let's just close this storybook right now and call it a yeah. day, because yeah. it gets so much worse. Yeah. But um, okay, wait. I really did have something to say about stuff. So you you guys have heard of amiibos, right? No. Do you know about them? Okay. So actually, no. This is this is not just amiibos. This is related to all of Nintendo. Um, You you may have heard that in North America, it's really hard to get amiibos, like the ones that you want. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Is that is that true? It's difficult. But you may have also heard that in every other country, everything is normal, and like there's a bunch on the shelf, and there's nobody like waiting outside in the early morning to go into a store to get them or any any weird shit like that and a lot of people speculated that oh hey jared uh, did you know that the lucino amiibo is on sale now no it's not uh okay it's it's not <laughs> he keeps a quiet vigil jay i would I was, play, I was, you don't play with that i would jared know checks every I was five gonna minutes tell, i was gonna tell him it's a prank bro but he had to ruin it it's not i i would i would know that um <laughs> But so anyway, uh, and, and this combined with like uh, the Majora's Mask, the 3DS uh, limited edition that came out with the figurine that sold out in five seconds. And I don't even know if you guys have followed this at all, but the new 3DSs, um, they're, there ain't nowhere to buy one. They're, they're gone. Like they came out in the U.S. What, is that, what does that have to do with Amiibos? Well, so all of these things have to do with it in the sense of all of these products are being manufactured in China and Japan. And all of those products are coming through the U.S. on the Pacific side, which just happens to be where we have had a massive port strike. Is that being confirmed, though, for Nintendo? Iwata made a tweet that says that a number of Nintendo products have been held up by the port strike. Um, And I believe that strike has ended now. So... Um, I'm willing to be. I'm willing to bet that the amiibos are, are not going to be affected by this. I I have a feeling that um prob- probably I, I don't think that there's like giant shipping containers full of amiibos. Like I, I don't think that a billion Marths are just about to hit the shelves. But I do think that this is probably why we saw them with such an irregular release. And so now, so now the great the great news is that these new Martha Meebles make it to retailers across the country, and all those retailers will still get to sell it for thirty bucks. I mean, the thing is, is it would be awesome if they unloaded like a shipping container and it just had a billion Martha Meebles and whatever manufactured value had come from the rarity of it just completely disappeared. Uh, that that would be great, but that's that's probably not what's going to happen. I, I don't think. They're going yeah, to keep selling them at thirty dollars. I remember. I remember when, uh, like, like a million Mars can drop tomorrow, and now that the markup is there, and now that it's kind of stabilized at thirty bucks, everyone's going to keep selling it at thirty bucks. I just saw this with, um, with you know, it's not exactly video game related, but there's the the Edge of Spider Verse two that stars Spider Gwen that everyone wanted to get their hands on, and this fucking comic, which is typically what like five or six dollars, this shit oh, yeah. had gone up to like like twelve, fifteen, in some cases thirty, forty. Um, and so what Marvel did is they started releasing the second print and the third print and they released it in much greater numbers so people could get their hands on it and people still sold it at that same $12 markup. Like you couldn't find it for any cheaper, just period. No one cared. No one cared. That yeah, it was I had to buy from an, um, for an overseas guy to get the. Yeah. So it's like, that didn't happen with that. Um, if you look at collector's editions of video games, they'll be all over the map, depending on what like console they're for. 
Um, you know, I found Black Flag for super cheap, but the collector's edition for PlayStation 3 is going for an absurd amount of money, while the Xbox 360 version is, like, at a nice, normal, reduced price. Um, so retailers don't care. Retailers are like, you know what? Once the markup is there, that's what I'm going to keep. I'm going to get all my money. Um, I'm going to get everything I can out of this. So reading reading Iwata's statement, it sounds like um, to a large degree it's just affected the schedule and like delayed things beyond what was normal. Um, what he basically says, let's see, the figures for the first week show drastically higher adoption rates than during the release of its predecessor. First shipments to Europe and the United States sold the most stock that made it to shelves in the first two or three days. We believe that sales could have been even better in the United States for the last six months. Labor negotiations on the West Coast of the United States have made getting goods to the shore slow, as the amount of bursts open are slower than usual, and therefore the harbors are congested. Many of the heavier goods... Anyway, I, I find it interesting that he thinks that their sales could have been better, because everything sold out anyway. Like they, Well, exactly, that's what he means. He, he still got... He still got more more stock then you sell more and your sales are better yeah i guess then you can manufacture more but man. anyway um i mean you can manufacture all you want if you can get it to market it might as well not do it. well right right I, but I, so I, here's I what here's want... what i'm saying they made they made seven ike amiibos and shipped them to the united states like that's all they made they made seven oh, you're talking about amiibos i'm talking about like all the other stuff the, the 3ds's uh maybe maybe they could have sold better because they're not going to stop making those but the exactly. the amiibos couldn't have possibly sold better because they sold all of them. So it there's there's really no way they could have sold better. It's kind of a silly thing. Um, well, I mean, I don't know what their strategy with amiibos is other than like it seems I just want to. Oh, they don't know like, either. Sold so. you on yeah. amiibos. Anyway, the well, podcast is over and we've talked about pretty much no video. Yeah, I was gonna say. Oh, so we're, we're like we're like forty minutes deep and we haven't actually said anything about uh, any games. Um, we just restart. No, 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 no. Let's just let's just talk about uh, let's Our just group. let's just talk about a couple of them. What are the games that we played this week? I played The Order. What's everybody else's? I forgot. I played Evolve and I played Firefly Diaries. Kirby and the Rainbow Curse. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear about the Rainbow Curse. Can we start there? Sure. <laughs> it looks so happy. It's very happy. What what's going on there? I know it's a, I know it's like a follow up to Canvas Curse on the DS. I don't know if you ever played that. No, um, but it's also played entirely with the stylus. Um, that's right. At least I, I assume that's how Rainbow Curse is played. It is. It is played entirely with the stylus, and um, you really have two moves. There's this fairy that does a little like rainbow thread that um, you know helps Kirby navigate, and you can tap on Kirby and make him kind of do like a slam attack. And essentially, your your job is to get Kirby from point A to you know to point B. Um, and then, you know, there's obstacles. So, for example, there will be a waterfall and you can use a stylus to make a little line and that will cut the waterfall to allow Kirby to go under, that kind of thing. So, it, is Kirby, has he been cursed by a rainbow or does he have a curse that's rainbow-esque? Yeah, there's a curse that's, I don't think, related to the rainbow because the rainbow comes from the fairy and the bad guy put a curse that took away all the colors. Sounds so magical. Um, and uh, but one of the things that I really like about it is like the art style is this weird claymation thing. Yeah, yeah, it looks really and it's fucking gorgeous. It looks, and really it looks great in it looks great in in motion too. Have you messed around with the multiplayer at all? Because I saw it supported up to four people. Uh, I tried with my kids, but that wasn't. They're still still a little too young to. They're they're noobs. 
Yeah, a little, little too young to have a full grip on what you do there. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't really give you. I only need to get like somebody, a friend, to come and take care of me. Are you enjoying it? Because it seems like it's kind of all over the place with reviews. Like I think Polygon gave it like an eight, but Giant Bomb gave it like a two. I like it. Um, it's very curvy in the sense of it's an easy game to get through. Mm-hmm. But if you want to do all of the optional stuff, like get all the chests and collect all the collectibles and all that stuff, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. So I like that aspect, right? Because it's a game that also appeals to kids a lot. And, you know, it's, it's good to have a make a missing for them to at least get through the game. And if you want more, you know, more challenge and the optional stuff is there, too. It's also uh, 20 bucks cheaper than yeah. everything else. Do you, do you think that they hit a good price point with it? Is it is it fair? Or? Yes, because it's fairly short. Oh, really? Well, pri- pri- yeah. Price points are important these days. It's it's glad to hear. It's I'm glad to hear uh, someone knows how to price for the kind of package they deliver. <laughs> it's fairly short. Let's not get into that yet. But <laughs> it's fairly short, and um, I do have some complaints about it. The control system, it's. It's good, but it still feels kind of weird at times. Uh, there's a few puzzles where what they want you to do is kind of like make Kirby kind of get momentum from one end, and then you have to be very good at judging that, and the game doesn't really give you a lot of feedback, if that makes sense. It looks like it's a little longer than uh, Epic Yarn. Um, well, Epic Yarn was a precisely... So, week, Rain- so Rainbow Curse looks like it runs about eight and a half hours... Yeah, uh, Epic Yarn only ran for six, which, as we all know, is unacceptable. <laughs> it's um, unacceptable when half of those hours are cutscenes. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I like it. Um, I don't think it's going to. If you don't like Kirby, it's not going to change your mind. I don't think it's a must-own. But um, I mean, it sounds I, like it sounds like to a large degree, it's not even really like a Kirby game per se. No, because you don't have a lot of the powers that Kirby has. I mean, so unless you were unless you were super into Canvas Curse, does it? So it, it feels short to you though, because the way the gameplay looks, it it feels to me like something that might have trouble carrying itself for eight and a half hours. But you, you feel like it feels like it's brief. Yeah, and that, part good. of it is that it's easy. Ah, uh, okay. It's easy to get through it. So the actual like core, I guess, story. That's not really a story because it's a Kirby game, but. You know what I mean? The core like level design is easy. It's mm-hmm. just when you start getting into oh, I want to get you know that collectible, and then then you can probably spend more than eight hours really. But I don't see anybody putting up with that unless I really like that type of frame, like that type of gameplay. And you know, like I was saying, it doesn't really feel like a, like a Kirby game, like you said. You don't have a lot of the powers that Kirby has. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirby mostly just you know runs around and goes to what you tell him, but you know he he doesn't you know get any powers from the enemies. And there's a few there's a few pretty cool scenes where the fairy turns him into like a vehicle. So for example, in the water world, he turns into a sub, and he has torpedoes that he can shoot at the enemies. Um, but in general, you know the, Kirby is just kind of a ball. Um, and you can make him go really fast and slam into things or just go really slow. Well, um, so, you know. That's most of the Kirby formula. We're just missing, like, 
suck things up. Suck things up and get their their power. Um, Exactly. Eat them and get their power. I went to how long to beat to see how long uh, this game was, and I just typed Kirby, and I'm noticing that Kirby's Dreamland, the original Game Boy game, is only an hour is the median runtime for it. Um, so if you think if you think the order is upsetting, <laughs> wait. Yeah, but it was different back then. Yeah, it was like 1986. You paid 45 cents for that game. Okay, it was ni- uh, it was 1992, and uh, I think if you adjust for inflation, it was probably more expensive back then. Yeah, than a 3DS game today. Plus, um, you know, back in those days, like an hour game would use all of the memory in that cartridge. So uh, that's true. <laughs> That's true. I, I don't know. I no, don't feel like he, I would expect a whole lot of gameplay out of a Kirby game. Like it, they're short and sweet. Like they make you feel like a kid again. It's fantastic. No, no, it's not about game. I like it. But I can right, see right. That's what I'm saying. Is like it just you're just kind of happy to see Kirby. Like he's one of the few characters who haven't become Sonic, basically. Yeah, <laughs> actually, really, really, like, really. there's no story like here. There's no like. <laughs> This set me on a path here that makes me feel really disgusting because people are saying that Super Mario Land 2 Six Golden Coins is only two hours. And I was stuck on that game for like a year. And then someone someone deleted my save. And so it didn't even matter anyway. That's that's fucked up. So yeah, Kirby. I mean, if you're getting a Kirby game, you know what you're getting. So, you know, it's just it's delightful. It looks, like, it looks very charming. Yeah, if you don't like a couple thing, then don't get it. That's it. That's really that's really that's my review. It looks very enchanting. All right. Well, should we talk about other enchanting things? Yep. Like the order, or wait, no, evolve. Tell us about evolve, Jay. Uh God. that's a that's All a right. magical and whimsical experience. <laughs> it's a magical <laughs> and whimsical experience for all of an hour. Um. So I mean, it has it has Titanfall syndrome, right? Worse yeah, than Titanfall think, syndrome. So you're yeah, saying I think, I think you guys, I think you guys legitimately enjoyed Titanfall when you guys first jumped into it. Oh right? yeah, yeah. I think Titanfall's a great yeah. game. If Evolve doesn't allow that kind of enjoyment because it wants you to grind to everything that's remotely enjoyable about the game. It's like there's some like twelve classes. Um, you can only play four of them when you start the game. And that's only for the that's only for the hunters. For the monsters, there are three, and you can only start as one. And oh my god, you get to like it's it's not even like any class is stronger than the other because this game is so balanced that it's kind of like certain hunters are more effective against certain monsters. Like no one particularly has an edge, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll give you an example. The the one I like playing as the most that I find the most fun is Kyra. Right when I saw this game, I'm like I'm definitely going to play a medic. Uh, I want to try and heal people in this game. That seems like the most fun role. And then I crack open the game. And for me, it's definitely the most interesting because of I guess you have uh, four different classes. You have the Assault, which is kind of just your damage dealer. You have the Trapper, which is responsible for finding the monster and keeping it uh, trapped in the arena to fight it. You have the um, Support, who is basically just that. He'll kind of like augment the other abilities of the other party members. Um, and have little additional cool effects. And then there's the medic, who keeps people up. And for me, the medic was always the most fun to play. Um, so Kyra, I unlock her, and she has... Her set of abilities include the acceleration field, which makes everyone faster. It includes the healing grenades and these um, fire grenades, which 
which do damage over time, napalm. Um, so Kyra's not, you know, Kyra's the very last person you can get in the medic class. You have to grind through the other two medics in order to get get to her. And so Kyra's the last one you can get. So typically that says to someone that since this is the last one, she has to be the most powerful one. But that's not necessarily true. Depending on which monster you fight, they can absolutely fuck her up. Like if she gets the wraith, that one can like tear her to shreds. But if you get like the Kraken, then she's good, right? She can do a little bit of damage to the Kraken. She can speed everyone up so that they can all uh, get to one place quickly. Um, and then the go Goliath is like pretty whatever. Um and so the problem when you have classes kind of that balance that everyone complements a certain other character or is better in a certain kind of fight, the problem when you lock that off is you're really kind of crippling the player as they play through the game because they don't have access to kind of all the options. Um, so it does it does two things at the same time, right? The, the first thing that they do by locking off content this way is it, they give it an artificial playtime because you're going to play as long as you're interested in getting this class. Uh, and, you know, every every single thing in the game is locked. You actually have to play a certain amount of the game before you can even do multiplayer. So you have to go through the Goliath introduction. You have to go through the Assault introduction. You have to play, uh, like, five different quick matches to see the five different game types. And then finally, finally, you unlock the entire game. Finally, you can do the multiplayer after doing all this other shit that you don't necessarily want to do. Um, so it artificially pads the game time. And the other thing it does is it most definitely punishes the players that didn't go ahead and pre-order and pre-purchase the game uh, and put more money up front in order to unlock all the characters at the same time. So when they say, you know, Evolve's thing before they release the game, they say, oh yeah, we built this game from the ground up to support DLC. What they mean when they say that is they mean they developed this as one complete experience and then they ripped it apart in order to support DLC. Um, you know, and I, I really wish I really wish I could sit here and talk about the gameplay mechanics, but I think it's the most awful abuse of DLC I have ever seen. And their prices are just asinine. Like they're they're flat out asinine. Um, you know, that's why that's why I'm talking that's why when I hear Kirby as a reduced price, that's like knowing what price is appropriate for your game. Evolve asks for sixty dollars up front. Um, which is a lot to ask for a game. That kind of wears out. It's welcome soon. Like it, it seems like it's getting its dedicated player base that people are going to play Evolve no matter what. But after you've been through a, a few matches, I guess I should explain what a match is like to you guys. After you've been through a few matches, you've kind of seen everything it has to offer. And after you've you've like uh, grinded through the classes that you want and gotten the characters you want, and after you've played a few ma matches as them, you start to lose interest very fast. It doesn't hold. It doesn't hold onto you. Um, and that's upsetting. That's disappointing because I feel like Left 4 Dead. It had a very similar structure to like evolve and and Titanfall, and I guess the other parallel here is uh, Destiny because Destiny is something else that doesn't quite feel like a complete experience. Um, so Left 4 Dead, they just did a bunch of little things that kind of kept you interested in the game, right? So there was the um, I I don't want to say it was procedurally generated because it wasn't, but but levels were a little randomized in Left 4 Dead. Nothing was ever in the same place twice. You had the director AI, which were always kind of mixed up combat. And I, I, I understand that the concept in Evolve was to have the monster kind of be that director AI. By getting another player control, you're always uh, hunting another player that was like as smart as you went out thinking you and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but the director added a lot. And then the other thing that added a lot is that the characters in Left 4 Dead, um, they were kind of bursting with personality and they had a ton of different lines. And the game would keep track of how many times you played it so that it would 
you know, switch up the dialogue that you got the next time you load it that same exact level. So a great, a great example is um, Leopard Dead 2, which Turtle Rock didn't develop, but Leopard, Leopard Dead 2 probably has the best example because um, the first level, I guess, is the hotel or whatever it is. And you're stuck with the, in the elevator with other survivors and everyone introduces themselves like, oh, hey, I'm Ellis. My name's Nick, et cetera, et cetera. Once you play that hotel level again, the more you play it, they'll skip over the introductions. They'll be like, okay, guys, we know what to do. Let's get out of here. And that was like a really kind of smart uh, piece of game design because that little bit um, with the game kind of learning how, how many times you played it and how many times you you've heard the dialogue with the game kind of learning that and adapting to it, um, it gave you something a little fresher each time you played. Evolve doesn't have that whatsoever. Evolve has its scripted dialogue and you are going to hear it over and over and over and over again. You're going to hear the same exact lines as many times as you play it. Um, so yeah, so so the problem the problem with me like like just to jump back to the pricing, uh, so the game is sixty dollars. The season pass is twenty five dollars, and the season pass I think gets you one additional set of hunters, and two monsters, and that's it. Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of a silly uh, terminology because <laughs> the season right. season pass is always implied that you get everything. You get everything. Uh, or at least you get a lot of it. Like you don't, you don't necessarily get the cosmetic, but you get a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and for other games, a season pass means that you're going to get some of the cosmetic stuff and some other characters and some other weapons, and you're going to get the additional story DLC. You know, and Evolve is not going to have any of that. Their their one thing is, oh look, the maps are free, uh, but all their maps look the fucking same if you if you play the game. There are maybe two levels I can think of that look. A little bit different from everything else, but all the, all the maps, as many maps as they have, just kind of look like the same uh, generic jungle that they decided to install in this game. Um, so twenty five dollars for the season pass. I think it's something like anywhere between five bucks and seven bucks for the cosmetic options, which aren't even deep cosmetics, right? Um, for the monsters, are a little deeper, but it's something like a recolor. It's just like, oh yeah, now you're Kraken. Instead of having black skin, you can have red skin. Uh, the, the magma skin the kraken and that's like seven or eight dollars um for the hunters it's even worse because it doesn't actually reskin the hunters it just reskins their guns and only then even it's only part of the gun so it, you know kyra's white grenade launcher will not be a blue gr- grenade launcher and they want me to pay something like two or three dollars for that and it's 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 really okay. i think really the worst pricing system i've ever seen here we go um, so the season pass uh it includes four new playable hunter characters available this spring one in each class it includes the evolve oh wait no it does not include that the four player (laughs) nope not that either the only other thing it includes is three monster skins it doesn't actually include any of the other monsters that they're releasing okay cool so you get four hunters and and uh skins and that's for twenty uh, four ninety nine. <laughs> um, so it's it's really oh my god I can't I can't believe like the price gouging going on in this game and it's a shame because it could be like a really fun if the game were cheaper and if it didn't have that shitty they call it the progression system that's like their fancy terminology for it so you're not grinding you're just going through the progression system you're proving you have skill um, and it doesn't take any skill whatsoever because the way you unlock a new class is you have to basically use a certain weapon a certain number of times so what you do is you go into a custom match um you basically set the match parameters to what you want so if i need to bring someone back from the dead 15 times with my healing gun i'll make sure the level will kill them a lot but will quickly respawn them um 
you know, and I'll just go ahead and grind out that gun. Uh, or maybe I'll have to do X amount of damage. So I'll just set the level to have a high amount of wildlife, um, you know, but be particularly easy in one sense and just go ahead and shoot everything with my gun. And so you're just grinding it out. So it's not even like an actual thing of skill. You're not progressing anything. You're just using the gun as many times as you have to in order to unlock the next class. Um, it's a, a really bullshit system. So I, I, I guess to explain a match really quickly, it's hunters versus the monster. The monster is player controlled. The monster, I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't bother grinding to get the Kraken or the Wraith because it didn't interest me. Um, and it took me two full days to get to Kyra. Um, and I really was not willing to go through that grind again for anyone else. I have unlocked other characters since, um, but to just sit there and focus on getting one particular thing, it had, I had no interest. So the Goliath, he plays a lot like an assassin in Assassin's Creed. And he can sneak. Uh, he had something like Eagle Vision, only you had to hit it all the time uh, to smell out um, your prey and your enemies. Um, he'll ha he has like a rock smash, a, a leap attack, a fire breath, all this kind of shit. Um, meanwhile, the hunters are all first person, and it's more of a... It doesn't exactly play like a first-person shooter. It plays closer to uh, some of the simpler uh, first-person games. It plays closer to um, uh, maybe Left for Dead's mechanics or, or um, you know, even something like The Last Mass Effect or something like that. It's, it's a really easy kind of shooting system. Um, you know, so the typical match would be you have the four hunters, and they have to kind of run around and find the monster, and you get your little visual hint. You, ha you can find them using your footprints, and you can find them if they scare off some birds in the distance and you just run towards a group of birds. Um, and the trapper usually has some kind of skill that will help find the monster. So uh, Cabot, for example, he can... Um, uh, I'm sorry, not Cabot, Abe. Abe, for example, he can dust the area and... Uh, or maybe it was Cabot, I don't fucking know. One of them can dust the area and uh, it'll, it'll make the monster more obvious. Uh, your favorite Jarrett Bucket, he can use his head as an unmanned drone and scan for the monster. Um, but I don't understand why you'd use any of this when you have Daisy, who will just lock onto the monster instantly and lead you to him. Um, and then the Trapper, you know, which must be the most annoying job, and the Trapper is to the point it can make or break the game. The Trapper has to deploy an arena to trap the monster so you guys can actually fight it. So you guys, uh, you know, depending on how matches go, you can either set up a team that's going to find the monster really quickly. I found when I pair up Kyra with uh, Daisy... Uh, and that's the hunter's name. The hunter's name is Daisy. So when, I, when I paired Kyra up with Daisy, you know, the two of them will get to the monster so fast it never has a chance to evolve. We kill the monster, it's over. In other matches, especially if you're fighting the Wraith, who's like really good at sneaking around, uh, the Wraith will eat a ton of food, he'll get to level 3, and then he'll kill the hunters and it's over. And there's really no variation in the chase, but you kind of understand how the chase works. Um you you'll either end up finding the monster very quickly or you'll get a particularly uh, careful player who's good at sneaking around and knowing when to eat his food sources and he'll just evolve to level three and just kill you guys and uh um it's rare that i've ever had something that felt like a really close really fun match it's it's very slanted it's always definitely one side or the other it's the either the hunters will definitely win the match or the monster will definitely win the match and there's just like you know, I feel like I feel like when you play a, a, a versus title like this, the more interesting matches, it's like the upset, like I was talking about. Um, and this is why I don't fucking play um, games like Tekken or Soul Calibur, because once someone wins, you know they're going to win the match. There's no way to turn it around. Um, 
you know, it's like a, a 2D fighting game where a match can go either way in any second or in a first person shooter. Uh, uh, typically a match can go either way and evolve. It really doesn't go either way. You can tell pretty quickly if you don't kill the monster in the first two minutes, you can tell the monster is going to win. Um, you know, or you can just surrogate and kill it and then it's over. And once you have like these one sided matches for a while, you just kind of get sick of playing. There's not a lot of strategy. There are a lot of cool weapons. There just aren't. There just isn't a lot of strategy in terms of using those weapons. Once you figure out the one strategy, that's it. Um, and it's really, really not worth the sixty dollars experience because, uh, which is a shame because it could be a great game to get some of your friends in. It could be like Jared. You go get it and start playing Assault or start playing Bucket. Uh, I think the support unit. the most fun that I had with it was probably playing it at PAX because I was playing in a room with all the other people who were also playing and for the most part none of us had ever even played the game before and so i mean i think this would be an awesome game if land parties were still a thing but since they're not i guess it's it's not an awesome game no Um, well i think it's i think it'd be an awesome game if you had like a dedicated group but i can't but that's the thing the pricing system keeps me from recommending it to you guys because i'm like okay i have my medic I can get Lucio in to play the assault, and I can get Ewan to play support. Jarrett. Um, I mean, their their DLC is practically like a free to play model, um, except yeah. there's a sixty dollar base entry for the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's really the thing, right? Because what they're doing isn't anything new. A ton of free to play games do it, but free to play also, you know, for for one, it gets you hooked on the main game for free. Yeah. Um, Second of all, they give you a lot more content than Evolve gives you out of the gate. Um, Evolve does not give you a lot of content, and what it does give you, it it locks behind this shitty progression system. I do want, uh, I, I want to make sure that we move on to something else too, so we don't uh, spend too much time on Evolve. But before we go, I do want to mention that they released some stats from the first week about. Uh, just just general information like this many players connected and this is how long an average round is and um they released some stats about the hunters uh or or, or the monster evolutions and uh i guess if the in stage one so basically the way the monster is when he starts if if you get into a conflict with hunters there's only an 11 percent chance that the monster will win yeah, um, sounds right. At stage two, they say there's a 47.8% chance that the monster wins the match. And then at stage three, they bump it up to a 76.7% chance that the monster wins. I, um, I think, I, so you said 76.7, so that other... Um... For the for the final stage, yeah. And they say that overall, for all of the... Uh, how many games is it? There, this This is out of 6 million games that have been played. Uh, the split is actually kind of impressively even. Uh, 48.1% yeah. 48 of games go to Hunters, and 51.9% go to Monsters. I told, I told you when I first started playing, it always seemed um, like like Hunters would win half the games and Monsters Yeah, it seems, it seems like it pretty much lines up with what you're saying, which is if, if so, Hunters find you in the first couple of minutes, it's pretty much a done deal. Yeah, uh, and vice versa. If you can, and last I can, that I can, long. I can, gar- I can guarantee you in that if a monster loses in stage three, I can guarantee you that the hunters fucked that monster up in stage one. I, like, think... I can guarantee you they found him and and reduced its health, and the monster managed to get away. Um, you know, because that's the only way you're going to win stage three as a hunter if you find the monster early on and and just fuck that guy up. One so. one thing worth noting is this game. Um, every time that I've seen it, it's been at like a trade show or something. 
and nothing draws a crowd like this game like it's just absolutely insane it is always packed uh for people who are watching they they set up like these big TVs and they have announcers talking about it and I'll I'll be interested to see what happens to evolve in a competitive perspective because maybe it'll flourish there even though it's not really something that people want to bring into their homes and play maybe it's something that'll it's just a, wind up a, being fun to watch but not necessarily to play but i can't you know i i with the progression system i can't imagine um, but that's the thing is the progression system's irrelevant for professional play because you'll just it'll just be presumed that you have all the characters so that's that's what i'm getting at is maybe this will just be something where i'm not gonna buy it but it'll it'll be like this sensation where people watch it on twitch or something like that i don't know i i don't know i mm-hmm. it, it has it, it's it's a good game that's ruined by its dlc model mm-hmm. it's um you know it's got it's got it does have some exciting weapons the characters are kind of bland but i like how um a lot of them play they have like some pretty interesting ideas that i haven't seen before um, and overall, it's an interesting concept. But Titanfall is an interesting concept, and we see what happened to Titanfall. Yeah. And the other question about this is: Do you really want to spend all that money and time making a game that's just going to be like a competitive niche? No, I, yeah. I don't think that, I don't think that's the intent. I'm just I'm just ruminating on: Is that what the future for Evolve is? Will it just kind of? But here's here's the thing: I can't even I can't even imagine Evolve is going to do well in competitive setting just because. Again, I think it's the progression system, and again, I think you can buy your way into additional characters, and some people can't. I can't see how that's friendly towards a pro- professional setting. Um, and typically, when competitive games um, do have characters you can buy like that, typically they end up banned. So yeah, I, I, I just I just think when when I say like a professional like if we're ta- if we're talking about Hearthstone, it's just kind of presumed that if you're a professional Hearthstone player, you have all the cards. Like you you you're not missing a card. Yeah, but uh, but but, but to a, but to a normal person, that's almost decks. impossible. That that's like hundreds of thousands of dollars to to get all the but cards do, in the game. But you don't you don't spend you don't you haven't spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. You like just you can you can get some of the cards just through playing. Or am I wrong? No, you 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 can, but there's no way you're going to get the entire collection without either spending some money or more time than But I still I, 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 I can't I imagine a like, scenario. I I still feel like that's modeled after a typical card game. You know, that's like it, like Evolve's kind of a new thing. Like Evolve is taking a an, a first person shooter model where generally everyone has access to everything um for the most part in first person shooters there's, there's sometimes like a skin or map they might not have um but generally everyone has access to everything when they get a first person shooter um so hearthstone is great because hearthstone is based off of a trading card game model if you're playing magic or you know if you're playing pokemon or whatever you're going to be doing the same thing you're going to buy expansion packs or, or all this shit you know evolves entering a genre that's not that way and I don't think, you know, this is going to be the game that changes it. I think it's going to get its dedicated player base. And I think Lucio's right. I think it's going to have its niche. Um, but I don't think it's going to end up like a major competitive game. Yeah. Eh, I, I think that I think that, that niche will become uh, very competitive with each other. And I think it'll just kind of stay in that circle. I don't even think the, the, the strategies are varied enough. Like, at least not at this point. Maybe Maybe the players will surprise maybe they'll maybe they'll find some shit that um is like kind of like really cool and all this kind of shit but that, the way the way they're complaining now is they don't even like the basic gameplay model they don't like the the actual chase of it they just want things to play out like a call of duty match where you can get kills quickly and rack them up and you know whoever has more kills is the one that wins they want they want it to play more like like that they want the engagements to happen right away 
Um, they want monsters to evolve faster. They want hunters to be able to find monsters faster. Um, you know, I, I, I just don't, I just don't see it being competition friendly. Um, I don't see it even being able to compete with like Team Fortress Two, um, and Left 4 Dead. To my understand, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Left 4 Dead has lived longer, but I don't think it has a real competitive standing. Um, it, well, and it, Left 4 Dead by its nature isn't like the the multiplayer aspect, the versus mode aspect. I, I don't think it has nearly the attention and the balance that Evolve does. Like it's it's not really meant to be. A competitive game and it's worth noting that left for dead really totally understood like what it was and what kind of package it was offering and it was able to adopt the valve pricing system which is almost the exact opposite of evolve where i mean fuck who doesn't own left for dead like they gave yeah. that game away by the end yeah. every everybody here I, everybody on this podcast i don't even have to know any of you to know this <laughs> everybody here has a copy of left for dead i guarantee yep. you do if, if you're listening to this nope. podcast and you've never played Left 4 Dead before, you probably have Left 4 Dead. You've got Left 4 Dead. You've got it on your Steam account. You didn't even notice it was there. Go yeah, Steam, it's going to give it to us for free a couple you, of years. You have it. You've got it. I know you do. Don't lie to me. Don't you dare fucking lie to me. Maybe um, maybe if they change the pricing system and maybe if they get rid of that unlock system, I can see it having more competitive standing. I just can't see it at this point. You know what? I, I just hope it just dies. Not because I, I have anything against it, but just it's kind of like a message. I, it's I, almost it's almost know, depressing. It's almost depressing. This needs not to work, so they will stop fucking trying to do this. Someone someone did the math. Someone did the math, and something like one hundred and twenty dollars yeah. for everything at Evolve to get everything. Everything so far. Everything so far. Not to um, mention that the the stuff. Uh, a lot of the DLCs are going to be in the season pass. Right, like, like we were saying, the monsters aren't included. So, and we're like, and we we live in such a a bullshit era where like you need fucking charts to figure out what version of the game you want. You know, Evolve is not the first one to do this, but it's an annoying practice. It's annoying that I I you know can't just go to the store and pick up my game and know that I have everything in that game. Um, and Evolve is just worse than usual in terms of that practice. Uh, you know, I I, I shouldn't. I, I I shouldn't feel like other players have an edge just because they pre-purchased the game. I I think when you pre-purchase in the past and you got a little bonus kind of thing, like you know when you go to go to GameStop and you used to put in your pre-order and you got maybe um, an anime cell or you got maybe a little toy or whatever. That shit was fun. That shit was cute. And then when it's got to be all digital, um, I it's like at least the digital stuff was mostly vanity. If I didn't want it, I didn't have it. But Evolve is kind of like pre-purchasing this time is actually giving you an advantage because you don't have to go through the progression system and you get in that practice with the character. And I think that's just kind of bullshit, you know? And I think it's especially bullshit if you're releasing your game for 60 fucking dollars. There's no reason that the game um, should come locked like that. Or like Arkham City did where they like basically cut off a part of the game and said, oh, well, this is a pre-order bonus. Yeah. What was yeah. I, don't, I don't remember that. What was the pre-order bonus for Arkham? They gave you the Catwoman missions, which turned out to be pretty fucking important to the story. Yeah, the oh. Catwoman missions are pretty important to the story. My game actually uh, was glitched beyond repair, so I couldn't finish the Catwoman missions, even though I I owned them. Do those do those play out as you play? Don't don't they? Am I wrong yeah, they, about they that? Kind of, they kind of they kind of unlock as you play. I yeah. feel like I remember doing one or two of them. 
so the, the, yeah, there's parts where Batman gets incapacitated somehow, and then you. you she's actually a super playing. fun character to play as well. So yeah, her too. But it felt like you know, without it, the stories and is I don't even think it would make sense. It, here's here's what it feels like. It feels like Turtle Rock started developing Evolve, and they had this complete game, um, where everything was balanced to everything else, and you know, it could have been. It could have been really good. And then they got Take-Two as the publisher. And Take-Two is like, well, you guys need to push DLC somehow. How are you guys going to do it? And they figured out, you know what? Rip apart the game. And sell the sell the shit that everyone was going to get anyway. So that's what that's how it feels like. You know, Take-Two is, does these practices. Ubisoft, fuck their shit up with these practices. And then the, the, the kings who started these practices, EA, doesn't even fucking do them anymore. So the EA is actually better then take two and Ubisoft. It's like I can't believe this shit. Yeah. yeah see, they... this is this is the this is the problem. This is the problem with these companies that that do that 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 enforces DLC model where you have to pay for all this additional shit, or you might have to end up buying shit that you don't want and doing all this online connectivity bullshit and downloading their apps, which is the other way that you can grind characters and involved. You can download the fucking app. Um, here's the problem: no one waited to see if that model actually works before they applied it. EA tried the model. It didn't work. EA had to go backwards on the model a little bit. Um, you know, so everyone else decided, oh, let's do it anyway, because EA's done it so clearly. That must be the business practice these days. But it's not fucking working. It's not fucking working to anyone's benefit. The, the consumers don't like it. Uh, their numbers are suffering for it. I don't think Take-Two is on the level of Ubisoft yet, where they're going to suffer a major crash because of it. But I think after Evolve, people are going to be a little sketchy of them after they, after they see what Evolve has done. Um, you know, I think Evolve sold fairly well for what it is, and I think it got fairly good scores, but I think people are going to be a bit more paranoid of the next game Take-Two releases, and the more Take-Two does it, the more gamers are going to be like, oh, I don't know about this, and then they're going to look at an, an Assassin's Creed Unity-type crash of their of their bullshit. I don't think it's all as well as it could have, because I was kind of on the fence about getting it, and then when I started, you know, listening to you and read your review and everything, I was like, ah, I don't think so. Right, and like I said, like I said again, this is a game I would recommend if it wasn't for the pricing plan. So this is, I think, this is the first time in Enemy Slime history where the pricing actually had a a, a, a negative that negative an impact on the game. Like I think we always consider it. I think we always leave a little warning at the end of our conclusions, like, oh yeah, this price tag might be a little high, or the price tag is just perfect, or they could have easily charged more. Like I think, I think we always have that note. But I think this is the first time where I look at the price tag. And I'm like, this is way too much for what they're, you know, for the gameplay experience and for what they offered me. Yeah, I, I, I never actually said don't get it uh, because it's too expensive. I always said, you know, oh, if anything, you know, wait for a sale. Actually, I think I said never to get um, Murder Soul Suspect because no amount of money was worth it. But, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's different. That's a little different. <laughs> so I want to. Um... I want to deviate a little bit because we we had the order we had Firefly Diaries those were both new this this week or last week, um, but Doug's been playing a game that I've been so curious about for a really long time, and I I have constantly been thinking about whether or not I should pick it up, uh, and that game is Lords of the Fallen. Um, what tell tell me, Doug? Is it worth it? Is it a game that I should play? All right, here's what you want to do. Imagine a game, imagine Dark Souls. Okay, I've got it in my mind. It's a great game. Imagine Dark Souls too. Even even though some people maybe didn't like it as much, now imagine it just shitty, <laughs> like almost 
every aspect of Dark Souls and then just like crank the shit factor up a couple factors. <laughs> and that's Lords of the Fallen. Like nothing in the game is, is good. So, so, you're, so, so, so you're, you're saying, saying that Jared we get it. it. So yeah, Jared should totally buy it. <laughs> what uh, I'm curious, what did you pay for Lords of the Fallen? Nine dollars because they were you, gonna have like a sale on it. You got it during like their accidental sale, right? Yeah, they, I got they, a, they put the, the game they, they put the game on like super sale on the Xbox marketplace and it for like a day. And uh it was nine dollars. And then someone somebody realized like, oh shit, we weren't supposed to do this, and now I think it's back up to forty. Yeah. So if you were to go back and like demand a proportion of your money back to what you thought the game was worth, like how much money would you ask for back? <laughs> uh, you paid eight dollars. Eighteen dollars. Eight dollars. Okay, it's not it's not that bad. I mean, it it works except for the one time it crashed. <laughs> I mean, um, one time's not bad. Huh? One one time's that's not true. bad. That's still these days. That's pretty. Now it is. So, one so time you compare you compare you compare to uh, Dark Souls. Do you play as this uh, Viking looking guy, or do you customize the character? No, you play as Harkin. Everyone plays as Harkin, and again, that's another complaint I have. Some people might, I mean, Dark Souls kind of has a story, but it's kind of you get to figure your own story out. This one has a story, and I don't give one single shit about it. Because so it's story, like, eh, I don't care. Is it, is it like cutscene riddled? Like, are there a lot of... I wouldn't say it's cutscene riddled. There's like maybe a f- couple cutscenes here and there. Most of it's just like you go talk to a guy, and it... He talks back, and they like go to this next thing and kill the lords. And I was like, "Who are these people?" Because I don't care. So, so he holds your hand. <laughs> <sighs> I wouldn't. So it's, it's not like Dark Souls, where it's like, "Oh, go ring a bell." Because yeah, I mean, hey, the, kind of. The I, appeal, yeah. the appeal of Dark Souls is largely the mystery, right? Like, yeah, Dark Souls, no Dark Souls Two. You drop into Majula, and it's like, okay, where should I go from here? And there's like four different paths that you could take. And uh, I mean, there's an objectively right path, but you could also brute force your way through the harder paths. Is this similar? Do I have any say or freedom in what I do? Because I feel like I feel like Dark Souls world layout is so much a part of that game. As far as I've gotten, not really. Like you can open up like uh, shortcuts from where you already came, but there's literally no reason to go back the way you came for the most part. Uh, see, that's kind of a bummer. See, what I always liked about Dark Souls is how kind of. Especially the first one, they really nailed it. Not not as much in the second one, um, but the first one, like everything's connected to each other. And so, like you go around a corner, and you're like, "Oh shit, I'm back in this place." Well, yeah. I mean, even if you hated the second one, I mean, compared to this, it's a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> like, like, give give me one aspect that you like about Dark Souls that we haven't talked about already. So, like I said, I, I like the I like the mystery. I like I like the freedom. I basically like the idea of. If you want to drop into Dark Souls 2 and um and and brute force your way through the hardest path, you can do that and uh, and make it work. Um I like the co- I like the boss fights. How are the boss fights? The boss fights. Yeah, I like the boss fights. Uh, I mean <laughs> they're not fun. Like <laughs> well, that's a high endorsement right there. What is what about a lot of people a lot of people complain. I I haven't fight fought all the boss fights yet, but they've all just been like I'm a, a super similar model. Like they just carry a different weapon. Okay, so actually, I think I can nail down my favorite thing about Dark Souls, which is its online component. Uh, two things in particular: one is the the cryptic messaging system that you have, and two being the cooperative and uh, and PvP system. I, I adore both of those. I know, and those are so great. And this game has none of that. So there's no co-op or anything. None. There's literally none. No messages. Oh. No nothing. None. 
So that they is not something so they, they missed out like the best part about Dark Souls. Like uh-huh. I think I think that reading messages is so much of the charm of that game and watching like someone's ghost sail off a cliff. One one of I would say the most egregious things besides obviously the co-op and like the messaging thing is the combat in Dark Souls feels really tight and feels really good. Like if I if I if I thrust and I hit someone, I feel like I actually I'll do damage to them for the most part. Occasionally you get things where it doesn't work. This I don't feel like that at all. Like enemies will like swing a sword and I won't it will not look like I get hit, but my my health goes down. Mm. Or there's one enemy type that like he just constantly dances around you and like you'll finally get a hit, but then like all of a sudden he just speeds up a little bit too fast and he's in a different location. And it happens all the time. It's like, oh fuck you. So like um I, I think I kinda get what you mean. Dark Dark Souls, the the movement and the attack animations and, and recoil animations and everything, it's very it's very slow, I think, and very deliberate. Like your mm-hmm. your swings are slower. Everything about it is slower. Staggering an enemy is like a, you know it's a big deal when you when you knock someone back a little bit. Um, and so you're saying like maybe when you when you hit an enemy in Lords of the Fallen, it's just kind of okay. Let's carry on. They can get staggered, but I haven't really found a way to like. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Like when they stagger, like I can't pinpoint how I can make it happen all the time. And a lot of times the enemies are have super annoying. Like there's a, a guy with a shield that you'll fight all the time because they have like I think ten enemy types and that's all it is that I've seen so far. But he he like will just constantly sit behind the shield and like there's just I, I can't explain. It's just bad. It's just super bad. It's not not nearly a fraction of amount of fun that Dark Souls is. You're, you actually it sounds like you hate this game a lot more than I think most people. <laughs> It's because I love Dark Souls so much, and I was like, I, I, I'd be fine if it was just like a, a slightly shittier version of Dark Souls, but it like doesn't even come close in the same realm. It looks like it's not even close from a, a you know the important the this week's theme is game length, and uh, Dark Souls is like forty nine fifty hours just to finish the main story, and I think it looks like Lords of the Fallen is fourteen on average. Yeah, there's like. Like it takes like okay the very first the very second you dropped into the game like you can kill but you can get to the boss in about like five minutes that's not really something you can do in in a Dark Souls game like it's probably about a good like if you're really good you can probably get there in about an hour but usually it takes a little longer before you can even get to a boss unless you've already know like the pathways mm-hmm. yeah but here you're, you're you're here and you're fighting you the boss plus, you can get in five minutes and like yeah. he killed me the first time and then I was like okay he's not that hard. He's just. What's the just, what are the RPG mechanics like? Like, what's the progression system? Is it is it level up stats like you do in Dark Souls, or is it uh, yeah, a little bit more up, streamlined? Level up all your all the basic stats. The only I guess difference between this is um, you don't really buy anything, so it's not like you don't buy gear or anything with stats. You just find it all. Um, the one deviation is that you can instead of putting it towards stat points, you can put it towards spell points which just give you a different spell. So everyone can have spells. So there's no like mage class or anything like that, which is another annoyance, but... I'm going to ask you a really hard question, and I want you to try your very best to answer this. Okay. What does it do better than Dark Souls? It has to do one thing that Dark Souls... It has one one idea that I feel like could be right at home at Dark Souls. 
it, the one idea that they have, and there's, I mean, I, I have not, I'm not close to finishing it yet because it's hard to play. Um, but <laughs> right now, the one thing, like, if I, if, once I start killing enemies, if I just keep killing them and I don't go and, like, go at a save point and deposit my experience or, um, say, or actually save the game and I just keep killing and killing and killing, I get an, an experience multiplier that just keeps growing and growing and growing. So I mean, if I was super great and having a great time and I was just slaughtering enemies, I could start getting a shitload of experience. And I think that was really cool until you die and then it obviously resets or until you save and then it resets. And right. I like that idea. Apparently can, it also helps you get better gear as well. Can you can you bank your XP or is is spending it just the way that you bank it? There is a banking system too, so okay. you can kind of protect yourself that way. Because Dark Souls doesn't, and it's been a while since I played. Dark Souls doesn't have anything like that, right? There's no, no. You just level up, and that's it. And if you don't level up, then fuck you and your souls. Yeah. Well, it's kind of part of the, like I guess math that you do in Dark Souls, right? It's like, mm-hmm. do I keep going? Do I spend it now? Yeah. It's like, is there like a risk? Should I keep going or? Do I want what? to go into the the multiplier the multiplier XP system? I do like. I think is a, a cool idea, especially if it if it uh, helps you get like better drops and stuff, which I could see helping a lot in Dark Souls if you How, like farming ore or something like that. What what kind of stuff could they have taken out of the game and charged as DLC to improve the quality of the game? <laughs> is there is there anything? Um. Uh, <laughs> Maybe maybe uh maybe you don't pay a dollar ninety nine to bank. Yeah, talk about dollar ninety nine to bank. There's every time you, the bank. Save. you can you can pay for XP multipliers just automatically. Oh yeah yeah yeah, that's a pretty obvious one. There is an item in the game. Let's that fix this if, game right now. <laughs> there's an item in the game that if you die and you don't want to go back to your where your ghost is, um you can just use the potion and it'll bring all your experience back. So they can charge for that too. Oh, that's a good one. So yeah, ten dollars for that. That's like a good it. one. Uh, maybe armor that is mildly interesting, or maybe how about areas that aren't all just some broken down, ruined castle? I mean, the game's fourteen hours. They you can't. There's not enough time to have multiple like zones. I guess if you you asked me what I <laughs> you asked me what I liked about Dark Souls, and that would be the other thing that I really liked about two is just how completely different every area is. Yeah, uh, so so I want to I want to complain about this too because that's evolve right because in evolve. Uh, you're, you're exploring an entire planet here. Um, and it's not like these monsters are part of any one geography. So you could have gone anywhere. You, like, it, like, like your imagination is the limit. And they decided to have all this one murky jungle. And it just made me think how back in the day, like video games, you play Final Fantasy VI, right? And then at some point you would end up in a trench or you would end up under a grave, like just these completely crazy fucking places. And now these days you have to like, it's like they have no creativity in terms of level design. I guess it depends on what games you're playing, right? Yeah, but I think a game, a game like like Lords of the Fallen or a game like Evolve, you know, those kinds of games are like let's uh, let's have a diverse kind of setting. Let's have diverse kind of maps here. That's true. Hmm. Yeah, they um, it, it it's it's kind of the same for like Titanfall too. Um, I can't figure out why Titanfall just has three robots and like everywhere you go, you're just basically in an outdoor factory. Um, I don't know. I, I, Dragon Age, Dragon Age Inquisition had a lot of different zones. Let's game of the year. Let's go back. 
<laughs> well, even even that. even Assassin's Creed, for as far as they've fallen, it still feels like I'm playing Black Flag again, and everything's in the tropics, but it feels like everything's different at least. Oh, that goes away in Unity. So okay, that's good. <laughs> I mean, you still have like uh, slummy part of town and uh, regular town. So I guess that's still something. I don't you know. You always get sewers. Uh, yeah, I think you do get sewers. You you do get sewers. So yeah, that's that's something else. Um, but there's not really anything outside like the town walls. I don't even know if you can go out of the walls. I don't think I ever tried in my entire time playing that game. Just because you're the walls are inside you, Jared. I, I mean, never, what about I, Silent Silent Hill? Silent Hill is one <laughs> fucking town, and you go to all these like different locations. Well, right, and so like a lot of people had a problem with this in Dark Souls Two, where like you you basically like walk around a corner and you're on top of like a giant mountain and there's dragons everywhere, and then you and then you take an elevator and all of a sudden you're like in hell and there's it, it just it's totally different and I guess for a lot of people it kind of breaks their immersion. Um, but for me, I, th- I thought it was super sweet. Like, I, I, I really appreciate a change of scenery every now and then. Um, I feel like those people are dumb because you take the you're, the zone before it, you're like starting to kind of climb the mountain and you take the elevator and you're at the top of the mountain, which is a fucking volcano. I don't, I don't I get mean, why people are stupid. There, there are people who care a lot more about this than you or me. And they have like graphed out the entire thing and have like pictures showing how none of it makes sense. And like, I'll, I'll give you that. Sure. But it's a video game. Who cares? Well, I mean, I guess it's fair it's because it's still better than Demon Souls where it's like, oh, well, that's just stone, And now you're like in the swamp. Where were these guys 20 years ago when every castle that Bowser built had a button that would drop him into lava right behind him? Actually, I want to talk about Demon's Souls for one second. Because Demon's Souls, the first Souls-type game, is still leaps and bounds better than Lords of the Fall. I love Demon's Souls. I feel like, I feel like when I say Dark Souls or Demon's Souls, I like have basically given you a shot of adrenaline in your chest. Like It just amps you up. The fucking Dark Souls, man. I love those games. <laughs> I think Demon Souls you can't do them as good. Just don't even try. <laughs> I think Demon Souls probably has the best boss battles. So maybe before we're going on like the hour and a half mark, let's before we <laughs> before we say goodbye, let's all get on the Bloodborne hype train. Are we ready? Yes. Woo-hoo. Does it does it look mad sweet? It looks mad sweet. Do you guys want Do you guys want to like play that game? Do you think it's going to be like super sick? Yeah, better be. Does it have it, does no? It have, because apparently we just hate everything. I don't even everything know. Everything is terrible. Does it everything have is multiplayer? stupid. We hate it. There, there is going to be every, everything we talked about on this podcast was stupid. Yeah, there were See? there were good I games. Like we already talking about. There were good games like the order, but we didn't, we didn't get to talk about it. Didn't you use an epithet well, to describe that game? <laughs> I like Fire, I like Firefly Diaries, but I used an epithet to describe. Nintendo's uh, strategy with uh, imports. This is what happens when we take a week <laughs> off. See, we have we have uh, uh, such a games, guys. They move fast. We gotta stay on the curve. But I, I do. I, I, Firefly Diaries does intrigue me. So even though we'll be a week late, if if we have a slow week this week, I, I wouldn't mind talking about it later. Because um, it, it just sounds so weird to me. And you, in your review, you very uh, you, you make sure to mention uh, Vita rear touchscreen, which means it's not a game for me. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> I, why anyone anyone would make the rear touchscreen like do anything essential essential part of their game. I mean, it, it probably can't be much worse than like Uncharted, which somehow mapped it to like throwing grenades. Um, I what. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's it's not good. But anyway, we'll we'll hit up. So in, in Assassin's Creed Liberation, you had to use the um, touchscreen to, oh, to, touch to paddle screen to your, boat. your boat. To yeah. paddle your boat, yeah. I don't like I so don't like any of that. Here's something I learned. I didn't know Hatsune Miku even used the rear touchscreen, and apparently it does. Um, but all that's used for is to pet Miku's back. Oh, you don't know. I was going to say to pet her butt, but I wasn't that far away. Well, no, no. If, if she goes to sleep, you can gently pat, rub her back and she'll wake up. What a fine place to say that if you enjoyed listening to our podcast, <laughs> you should go subscribe to us on iTunes. You go should check, go get help. Go check out our website. It's enemyslime.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or whatever the fuck service is popular. Pinterest. We're on Pinterest now. We're at The We're Enemy Pinterest. Slime on all those services. Uh, so go check those out and and, uh, and enjoy that. And um, before anyone else can say anything that scares or confuses me, we are out.